Good morning. Turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. You know, he, uh, you know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, uh, it was in the early days of, I know this is hard to believe, television. There was one television in our area. It was on the next block, two houses down. And several of, several of us would gather at that 13 or 12 inch black and white television to watch two things every day. Howdy doody. And the cereal of the day. Now, the cereal was either the Green Hornet, Flash Gordon, Red Rider, and who could ever forget Don Winslow of the Navy. Every episode, if Ended in a cliffhanger. So how are we going to get our hero out of this one? And so, uh, you know, I sort of look at Jonah in that way, but there's only four episodes. And um, and remember where Dan left us off last week with Jonah? It was sort of a cliffhanger, but if, if the people who write those serials would have got a hold of Jonah, they would have stopped it before the fish came. They would have, they would have stopped it with the sailors throwing Jonah. We got a snapshot of it. (laughs) And then fade to black. Then we would have picked it up next week with a large fish rescuing Jonah. Now, the hero of our serial is a prophet of God who was running from God. He's what you could call a reluctant hero. And I ask you, have you ever run from God or tried to hide from God? You know, the classic hiding from God, other than Jonah, is Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees, as if you could hide yourself from God. So we have Jonah doing it a little more dramatically than Adam and Eve, but it was sort of the same thing. And, you know, at the end of each episode, there was a recap. They'd have to go over to, 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 to explain where you were and what the peril was for your hero. And I'm going to do that today. I'm going to bring us up to date sort of we can flow in to chapter two. And I'm going to talk directly to the reluctant prophet, if I would have had a chance to. I would have said, number one, you know, running or hiding from God always signals the presence of sin in your life. In the case of Adam and Eve and Jonah, it was disobedience. Two, you can run, but you cannot hide. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Three, God, Jonah, God doesn't give up on you. The name of the series is God's Spreading Mercy. The pandemic sort of showed a light on us, exposing our weaknesses. You know, a wave of people gave up on God. A wave of people were angry with him. But you know what the Bible says? Hebrews 13, 5, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. He never gives up on us. Four, when you run, 
others will inevitably get hurt. Those sailors lost all their cargo. And when Jonah was on the boat, the boat and every innocent sailor was in danger of losing his life because of Jonah's disobedience. Although we may think that our sin doesn't hurt anybody, inevitably someone else gets hurt. We never truly disobey in disobedience, in isolations. Five, the longer you run from God, the worse the situation gets. And as the storm arose, the men cast lots to determine who was causing the gods, they thought, to get angry and cause the storm. The lot fell to Jonah. He could have repented right there, but he didn't. And the storm got worse and worse. And, you know, often when we run from God, we dig a deeper and deeper hole. Six, our sin can never outrun God's grace and mercy. In the case of God, God kept pursuing Jonah. He sent a storm, then he sent a big fish, and Jonah survived both the storm and the fish. And uh, the rest of the book describes many other examples of when God extended grace and he extended mercy to Jonah. We can never sin, disobey, and run from God so far that his grace can't Forgive and restore, if we are willing. James 4, 6. He gives greater grace. Seven. And after this, we're going to get into the passage. You thought we would never get there. We are. The road back always passes through a town called God's mercy. Where we find forgiveness and grace. Think of Jonah. Think of Jonah when we read Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Yikes. I love that. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So, what? Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So now let's go into chapter 2 and see what's going to happen to our reluctant hero. So let's read. I'm going to read um, the 10 verses from the ESV. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Now remember, he's in the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. He did this before he got in the belly of the fish. And out of the belly of the fish, uh, and, and, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. The Old Testament word for the abode of the dead is Sheol. It is, it is most... A lot of scholars think it's, it comes from a word that means hollow. You notice the New, New Living Translation translates this from the land of the dead. And you heard my voice. Verse 3. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were probably seaweeds. 
were wrapped around my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up, up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Now, in most versions, this was very confusing verse. So I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. So think about that. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So we're going to call this episode number two. And I'm going to entitle it The Way Back. The Way Back. Principles of the Way Back from Jonah 2. And we all need these principles at one time or another at some point in our lives. Number one, we need to know where our help comes from. Jonah did. The sailors didn't at first. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Shale, I cried and you heard my voice. Jonah remembered that the God that he served so imperfectly was still, quote, a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Principles of the way back. Number two, God will answer our cry of distress, even when the problem is our own fault, which it was in Jonah's case. I wrote an article for a newspaper two weeks ago, and uh, it was on God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right. Jonah was not doing what was right. He was guilty of disobedience, and that's why he was in the water. Some of us are in trouble, and it's our own fault. You know, and if you're wondering, is there hope? Will God have mercy upon me and hear my cry of distress? Take heart here from Jonah. His distress was the fruit of his guilt, but God answered him and gave him another chance. You know, this isn't the only place in, in the Bible we find this. Listen to Psalm 107, 17 to 22. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking at death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Now, if your distress is your own fault, repent. Cry out to the Lord. He will answer you despite your guilt. Principles of the way back. Number three. God answers us despite his judgment. Notice verse three. For you cast me into the deep, 
into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. According to last week, it was the sailors that threw him into the sea. But here, Jonah knows that it was the hand of God that was behind it. God was angry at Jonah's disobedience, and he was going to require punishment. <laughs> Threw him in, into the sea. Something that would, I'll tell you, something that would put me in despair is the thought that God is angry with me. Psalm 711 says, God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. God is love. It's his essence. But he gets angry. Jonah prayed for deliverance from the very God who was the unseen hand that threw him into the water. And God heard his prayer and rescued him. Even when God is displeased with us, he never makes us suffer merely for the sake of punishments. His purposes always include repentance. Job 36.15, listen to this. But by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer. For he gets their attention through adversity. You got my attention. Principles of the way back. Number four. God allows the storms of life for our own benefit. Hebrews 12. But God's discipline is always good for us. So that we might share in his holiness. Now, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God's hardships are redemptive. They're not merely punitive or or not merely to punish. Even if you've gotten to the place that you feel that the very hand of God is against you in in your distress, don't hesitate to call on God. He will answer his people. Now, it's been my experience that many people, or some, want their circumstances changed without a change of heart. God wants them both. He wants a change of heart and a change of circumstances. In Acts 26, says Paul says, I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout Judea. And also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God. And then prove that they have changed by the good things they do. A change of heart, then a change of behavior. Principles of the way back. Number five. God can deliver us from what seems to be impossible circumstances. Verses five and six. We can see how bad it was. I sank beneath the waves. Can you feel that? And the waters closed over me. Seaweed, in in Spanish, alga, wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the, he was really down there, to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Have you ever fallen overboard from from a boat? I haven't. But think about it. You fall over from the boat into nice, calm seas. You know, you can you can swim a little. Someone will get you. Try it falling overboard with 10 or 20 foot waves. That's what he was in. That's how bad it was. And if that weren't enough, 
you struggle with a massive seaweed around around you. I can't think of anything worse. Around your neck, around your head. God let the circumstances become impossible before he delivered Jonah. Many years ago, it's been quite a few now, we and our team, Luis Palau team, was in really bad financial situation. I mean, really bad. We weren't going to make it through the month. So we, as an executive team, got together. We had plans, what we were going to do, you know, we were, you know, delay, you know, delay salaries and all that. So we got down and we called out to the Lord. We literally cried out to the Lord. The next day, an inheritance check came for the exact amount. Exact. Now, it never happened again. But at that time, when the situation seemed impossible, God rescued us. You know, doesn't it seem like the Christian life distresses and troubles come in bunches? I mean, they don't seem to come one at a time. We, we have three right now. And, and, and they just don't get spaced out in proportion to my ability to cope. You know? And they often, they get to the point that we can't see our way out. But then we need to remember Jonah. It was impossible. But God didn't see it that way. God says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. When we cry out to the Lord in our distress, he answers us and delivers us from impossible situations. Number six, will this ever end, you're saying. Number six, the way back. Sometimes God answers us just in the nick of time. You know, in Spanish, this is justo a tiempo. Justo a tiempo. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Verse 7. He was dying. Let's face it. Jonah was, Jonah was about ready to leave. God often answers our prayers at the last second. Man, how many of us have groaned with Habakkuk? There's, there's a good one. Try, try spelling that, Habakkuk. How many K's are in that? How long? The prophet says, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. You know, I'm dealing with a guy right now who hasn't, he's been unemployed now for four years. Four years. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He sees no way out. I can hardly wait to see how, what God is going to do for him. Soon we're going to go back, uh, to our series on Luke and, and, uh, and, and I'm going to be speaking on Luke 18 called Persistence in Prayer. So I won't say anything about it here except to say, Jonah gives us courage to keep on crying out to God and to believe that God will answer us, even if it is justo a tiempo, just in the nick of time. Principles on the way back, of the way back. Number seven. Sometimes God answers our cries of distress in stages. We can be sure that when Jonah cried out to the Lord, he didn't say, he didn't say, Oh God, put me in the belly of a fish for a couple of days. That's what I want. 
He probably said, God, have mercy on me. Save me, probably from myself, but save me. You know, but God's answer to Jonah came in stages. You know, the belly of a fish hardly seems like a rescue, but it was. And it was better than the seaweed and sinking down. Jonah realizes he has been spared from drowning and that there's still hope. You notice that in Jonah, he doesn't complain about his surroundings. He accepts God's first stage of his rescue. And he comes to the conclusion in his prayer, salvation belongs to the Lord. Verse 9. So my conclusion out of that is we shouldn't look down upon how God works. If he chooses to rescue us, or heal us in stages, it's for his own good purposes. So, we ought to be grateful for any improvement. A fish's belly is better than drowning, let's face it. Even if it's not yet dry land, God's answer came in stages. Principles of the way back, number eight. God answers our cry of distress in order to obtain our undivided loyalty. Verses 8 and 9 are sort of a primer on how to respond to God when he rescues us. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for salvation comes from the Lord alone. The answer to Jonah's prayer has produced the proper effect in his life. It has taught Jonah the futility of looking to false gods for help. Also, if you look anywhere else, you leave God's mercies. And again, when he he turned to God, he was filled with thanksgiving. God answers prayers in order that thanksgiving will be abound to his glory. 2 Corinthians 1.11 And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And then the Lord said, Psalm 50, verse 15. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. God answers us in our distress to win our undivided loyalty and fill us with thanksgiving for his mercy. Principles of the way back. Number nine. We've only got 32 more. (laughs) So, God rescued us in order to make us merciful. I needed this. Merciful like him. It's obvious. Dan pointed this out last week. That Jonah did not want the Assyrians to repent. He didn't. But the book of Jonah has a message that's loud and clear about God, about his mercy. That is not confined to Israel, but extends to any people who trust him. Who call out to him. And repent of their sin. I was in, my wife and I, we were in uh, New Zealand once. And and the the details, there's a lot of details of this if you want to talk about them, I I will. But they asked me to uh, baptize a group of people. By the way, we did it in a hot tub. Best place ever to do do a baptism. I'm just saying, just saying. Hot tub. And um, 
But you know, one of the guys that I, I baptized, his wife broke down in tears and ran out. But they weren't tears of joy. They were tears of sorrow. Talking to her later, we found out he didn't want, she didn't want her husband forgiven. She didn't. She wanted him punished. What about, she said, what about all those years? He accepts the Lord and that's it. What about those years of abuse? Jonah didn't want the Assyrians to repent. However, this book is not only about Jonah, it's about you and me. And the way we have to respond to God. Luke 6 says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. God answers us in mercy to make us merciful. Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And if the book had, I think if the book had recorded the rest of God's dealing with Jonah, I think, not sure, I think it would go something like this. Look, Jonah, don't you see what I was trying to teach you when I answered your cry of distress and sent the fish to save you? I had mercy on you despite your guilt. I had mercy on you, despite my own sentence of judgment. I saved you from the impossible circumstances. I delivered you just in the nick of time. I commanded a fish to save your life. You you were filled with a song of thanksgiving for the mercy and vowed your loyalty to me. Jonah, Jonah, be merciful, even as I have been merciful to you. Exodus 34, the Lord, the Lord, a God of a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Principles of the way back. Number 10. And I promise it's the last one. You will never. I will never. Fulfill God's plan for your life until you come back to God. God's plan for Jonah was to preach in Nineveh. And as Dan pointed out last week, they were a particularly cruel people. They mastered the art of torture and then bragged about it. Jonah did not want them to repent. He wanted them punished or if not destroyed. So he went the other direction. You know, I have a principle that I use in counseling. Actually, I got it from First John. There's nothing, you know, nothing new. It is light brings more light. You put your life back in the light now, and God will give you more direction about the future. Jonah got his, his life back in the light. Now God is going to use him. Now he's going to send him to Nineveh. And that's what we all want, isn't it? For God to use us. We need to have the confidence that God hears us, is still sovereign, is still powerful. Now, you may be, I may be, we may be trapped in a seaweed of disobedience, and it may be your own fault, but God is still pursuing you. So Jonah recognizes God is still sovereign. Then he's something that's important. Then he admits that he's in a difficult situation, and he recognizes God is present. Then I said, O Lord, 
You have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more upon your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed trapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh my God, snatched me up from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Apparently, he was there tangled up in this seaweed. He was about to die. He got swallowed by a fish. But he recognized God's sovereignty. And he recognized his predicament. He recognized God's presence. And he pleaded for his mercy. He recognizes God as a merciful and forgiving God. He gets his eyes off the problem here. And he gets his eyes onto the almighty God. Jonah 2.8, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercy. There's no mercy for those who look to idols. Look to anything else for help, you won't find God's mercy. Then verse 9, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. I'll be obedient, Lord. I'm going to do what you want. Please deliver me. Here's a man that was called to the mission field. And he turned his back, and he actually ran the other direction. He gets himself into a dire situation, does the right thing, cries out for mercy and forgiveness, says, God, I will go. And God answered. Three days of that reluctant prophet even made the fish sick. Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah onto the beach. Now, I know, not a very pleasant, but it's here. Vomiting, you know, is always in the Bible associated with something negative. The Lord threatened Israel would be vomited out on the land in Leviticus 18. The church at Laodicea was warned of being spewed or vomited out of God's mouth in Revelation 3. And then Proverbs 26, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. You know, all other passages associated with, with vomiting, are uh, there's drunkenness in several Old Testament passages. This is the only positive vomiting in the Bible. The rescue of the disobedient missionary. So, now, he's come to the place where he recognizes God's authority. He recognizes his predicament. He recognizes God's continued call. His God's presence. God's forgiveness. God's mercy. His power to save. And God can change the course of his life. So, there he is on the shore. Episode 3 next week. Can't wait to see what happens. Lord, thank you for these moments that we've had together. These principles certainly have been a blessing to me. And thank you, Lord, that this book is even in the Bible, even though it's short. It speaks to each one of us, those of us who have been hiding or running from God. Lord, to call out to him in our distress. 
and let him rescue us. Lord, we pray that would happen to many of us, even today. In Jesus' holy name, amen.